The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broaddus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, September 13th, 2023, season 19, episode number 30. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, today we start focusing in on Cowboys versus Jets. Uh, Brian is going to have his breakdown for us on the Dallas offense versus the Jets defense. Uh, But before we get to that, we're going to talk about some bigger picture items regarding the Cowboys and Jets. And where I want to start this week is where I'm going to start every Wednesday. It's just from a big picture perspective, I want to go around the table. And I'd like each of you to tell me what you think the most interesting storyline is this week for the Cowboys heading into week two of the seasons. Patrick, let's start with you. Uh, I think the most interesting storyline remains the the offense uh, because, like we talked about on yesterday um, in week one against the Giants, because of the explosiveness of the defense and special teams, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott didn't really have to dig deep, deeply into their bag to show much. So we're still waiting to see what they can do when and if they're asked to do so. So uh, granted, the Jets don't have Aaron Rodgers, so, you know, there's a, a quite a talent drop off there for Zach Wilson but we talked about it yesterday Brees Hall Dalvin Cook Garrett Wilson obviously you know he can make some big plays and and change the game Um, so if there is a situation where uh, for whatever reason the Jets get off to a fast start and and the Cowboys get behind or they have to kind of match serve with that offense what does this Cowboys offense look like as the quote-unquote Texas Coast offense so I think going into week two we haven't had those questions answered just yet Cowboys were really efficient offensively Uh, they were really clean with the ball didn't give it away Um, but the explosiveness we want to see when that is tasked with happening can it happen and I believe it can but we just haven't seen it yet can the Cowboys play with some prosperity you know last uh, Sunday night uh, it it couldn't have gone any more perfect they dealt with conditions they dealt with really the unknown uh, from the Giants uh, and you know really their own unknown you know we had an idea of maybe what this defense could look like um, we had questions about the offense, but everything went to plan for them and even more with what they were able to do on really all three phases of their game. But can they handle prosperity after a big win like that? And with the fact that they're knowing that you're gearing up as you look at the schedule for, uh, for Aaron Rodgers and now he's no longer there, do you take a step back and take a breath? Or do you push forward knowing that you smell a little blood in the water? And uh, if you're a Cowboy fan, you surely hope that they're smelling blood in the water right now. Yeah, I would say the offense. Um, I think the defense, regardless of whether or not the Giants are a good team or not this year, I think you still wouldn't have questions about this defense or you still wouldn't have concern or doubt about this defense. You know this defense is good. Now with the offense, I think everyone in the Dallas media is not concerned right now. We think we know what the Cowboys have offensively. But the fans, that is an area where 
they still have doubts. They still have doubts about Mike being the play caller. They still have doubts about Dak being the quarterback that you need him to be and whether or not he's going to be able to have successful passing game and put an end to the talk of last year, the interceptions. Again, he protected the ball last weekend. Um, he did a good job because also the type of climate that was happening. Uh, so credit to that. But at the same time, it's not like they had a ton of opportunities to throw the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see once they do get a chance at at t Stadium. I think we'll be able to see maybe some more <laughs> of the passing game and not them just trying to run the ball. So same as you, Patrick, just waiting to see what this offense can actually bring this year. Brian, you mentioned prosperity. We talked about that a lot last year, you know, teams being able to handle prosperity. How concerned should Mike McCarthy be this week, particularly after what happened last week where in all three phases of the game they completely destroyed the opponent? How concerned should he be in making sure his team doesn't become overconfident? I wouldn't be. I don't think he should be concerned at all because as much as it goes to the leadership and the coaching ranks, it also goes to the leadership in the locker room. So when, for example, a fantastic job by Alex Lilly and, and you know his team uh, with Sounds of the Sideline. Killed it. Absolutely nailed it to the wall. Yeah. If you go back and you look at Sounds from the Sideline, there was a particular clip that I pulled out, which was Michael Parsons. And Michael Parsons, I told he's a maniac. So when you have guys like that who – to Brian's point, when Micah smells blood in the water, he there's no leaning back. He's full of Mamba mentality. Same with guys like Demarcus Lawrence. Same with guys like um, J. Ron Curse, for example. These highly competitive guys on defense. Offensively, it's the same thing. You have a consummate competitor in Dak Prescott as well. You have Zach Martin. You have Tyron Smith. And those are guys who've been here before as far as having blown out teams and still understanding that consistency is key. That's why I love what Dak Prescott said uh, in the press conference after the game. He said this is this was a great start, but it's just the start. So when you hear players and your locker room leaders saying things like that, I don't think McCarthy should have any concern. I think the Cowboys are going to treat this game just as if it were Aaron Rodgers back there. Yeah, I, I feel like they're, the thing that will help the Cowboys in that preparation for the game is they watch the tape. They will see very early in the game Aaron Rodgers goes out of the game. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it turns into Zach Wilson. And anybody that follows the NFL knows the difficulty. The the Jets made a a a organizational decision to move on from Zach Wilson. Well, now he's back having to play. But the Jets could have completely fallen apart in that game, and they didn't. Their defense wouldn't let them fall apart. And how do they win the game? They win the game on a special teams. You know, so here are the Cowboys, they had some special team success. Good teams will find a way to manufacture points, field position, and and create opportunity. And all you have to do is watch the Jets tape, watch their defense like we're going to talk about today, and you'll know they'll get your attention. You know, it's Zach Wilson, it's him playing quarterback, it's not Aaron Rodgers. But they still found a way to beat a Buffalo Bills team that's had divisional success, has had playoff success. So they didn't fold in that game. Yeah, you, you, better, you better bring it uh, Sunday afternoon, and I think they got their attention. See, those bother me. I don't think it'll be a problem, but I think to me it's more of a personality, lifestyle difference. Uh, when it comes to every time I hear – a comment that has come out of the locker room since the victory on Sunday and everything that shows up on Twitter, I'm like, okay, okay, uh, take it down a notch. You know, there's something about a silent killer mm-hmm. being more uh, 
scary. And there's something about succeeding in silence and keeping your mouth shut. Because when you run your mouth too much, the possibility of getting slapped in the face goes up <laughs> higher. And I'm not saying this is going to be the case. Okay, I trust and I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in the hype right now. I, I believe it. I'm bought in for sure. But I think it's just more a... Uh, you know, when I hear those things, someone that's up in the clouds too high, I'm like, okay, it does raise some concern to me. But we've seen um, Mike McCarthy, the way he leads the team, I think he can get ahead of it. And I'm up, up for all the celebration and all that. But got to remember, too, that it's week one. Mm-hmm. Let's let's uh, keep calm and let's keep, it, let's keep bringing it uh, and seeing how it develops. But I, I will say this. Um, when you can walk the walk behind the talk that you're talking. For I mean, sure. I mean, obviously, everybody's going to have a bad day. I mean, Mike Tyson had bad days. But I didn't see anyone walk up and slap Mike Tyson. So at a certain point, you Look have to— Look at what happened with Conor McGovern. McGregor, McGregor, McGregor. I don't know why you guys say <laughs> McGregor. McGregor. Yeah. Big difference. Big That's difference. Huge, huge difference. difference. No, but but I'm saying I'm, I, I love McGregor. Yeah. I love fighting. He's one to talk the smack for sure. And then so look, eventually. Yeah, unless, but, unless you're Floyd. Unless you're Floyd and you're, you're talking and oh, not only are you not getting slapped. Welcome to boxing. Yeah, My point being, Ambar makes a, a valid point when it comes to um, everyone needing to understand that this is a great start, but it is just week one. You yeah. have a lot more football to be played. But I, I counter that with uh, simply you have to look at who's talking the talk as far as the Cowboys defense Micah Parsons being the one saying this is the best defense in the league who's going to argue with Micah Parsons he's doing his part and the defense is stepping up and showing that J. Ron Kirst saying there are a bunch of dogs hey we say that every week it's it's true it's accurate yeah. but then you have uh, the leader of the locker room and Dak Prescott saying this is just the start so my point is Mike McCarthy's level of concern as far as complacency goes after a win like that I, I would put it at less than one percent because of the bodies and the personalities he has he has in the locker room. And honestly, a lot of the you know the energy as far as what you're saying, everyone calm down a bit, that's that's fans. And you know, so that's not locker room talk, that's fan right. talk. That's not coach talk, that's fan talk. So a little bit of a distinction there, but I get what you're saying. No, and I agree. And I, I think the, the the interesting part part about that for fans. I think they have to put that that win in context. I mm-hmm. think it was clear if Cowboys were the better team. There's no doubting that. But I do think there were a lot of circumstances that led to that game being the way that it was. The weather was a part of that because yeah. I think both offenses struggled. It wasn't just the Giants' offense. I don't think the offense uh, for the Cowboys was at its best uh, on, on Sunday. Um, I think that you, you can look at all kinds of things that happened in that game, <clears throat> them getting away from their run too soon. Um, them getting down because once you get down to the Cowboys and then you're all only going to be a one-dimensional <laughs> offense, you're done. Yeah, we talked about the ball constriction yesterday, right? So so you look at all those different things. I think there are a lot of factors that you can talk about as to why the game played out to a 40 to nothing win for the Cowboys that won't present themselves necessarily this week with a different opponent. Now, maybe other factors that factor in this week, but I think you got to put that in context and think that was a one-time situation because of all those factors, that'll change this week, and we'll see then how the Cowboys adapt, and we'll see how the Jets adapt to whatever are the pot- potential issues that pop up for each team this weekend. I mean, you have 17, basically, you have 17 NFL seasons before the playoffs. That's how you have to look at it. Yeah. Right. Week one, fantastic. You did your job now. Week two. And every week's going to be different. Every week's going to be different. Gonna be different. All right. So, real quick, before we go to our first break, uh, Patrick, give me an update on what injuries we're watching this week. We're watching Tyler Smith uh, with that hamstring strain. Uh, we're watching Donovan 
Wilson with that calf strain suffered early in training camp. Um, Jordan Lewis was a healthy scratch. Interested yeah. to see um, if, you know, with another week of practice, if they're going to go ahead and make him active. Uh, keep an eye on that as well. Uh, Sam Williams, Williams played last week. Chuma Idoga left the game with what looked like he was poked in the eye, but he, he returned to the game. So, I mean, ultimately, not only did the Cowboys walk out of midlife with a 40-0 to uh, victory, but they walked out clean. Um, so, I mean, that's just fantastic. So that's what you want to look at as far as the injury front. Uh, word has it that Donovan Wilson and Tyler Smith have had some uh, really good workouts uh, as early as this morning, possibly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thing, needle is pointing up. So Do we know how are, close they were last week? Either one of us? Uh, Mike, was it Jerry Jones on the fan? Yeah. yeah. Jerry Jones on the fan said that both were on the cusp. Quote. That was his quote. They were both on the cusp of playing. So that combined with what I'm hearing as far as them having some good workouts uh, this week going into today's practice, uh, things are looking good for, for both of those guys. We'll see if, uh, if it continues to do so, though. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back from that break, Brian will start to break down Cowboys offense versus Jets defense. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot, Rowdy, cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a soldier to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you back to the break check out the latest and greatest addition to the tours at at&t stadium and at the star in frisco meet jerry jones Mm. an interactive experience get a peek behind the curtains into the fascinating life of jerry jones it is fascinating for sure Uh, with a focus on innovative fan experience and a partnership with AT&T, this interactive technology gives tour goers the opportunity to ask Mr. Jones a variety of questions for more information and to book your tour, visit DallasCowboys.com slash tours. You know, not only that, I saw this last week, I think it was, it may have even been Monday of this week. uh, There was a tour group out there. They're not far from our offices. We could kind of hear them and uh, looked around the corner 
and Jerry himself yeah. had joined the tour and is now <laughs> giving the, tu- the tour. And I'm thinking epic. that group kind of got their money's worth, right? right? Mm-hmm. So that's always the kind of the interesting thing about doing a tour out here. You mm-hmm. never know what's going to pop up. You never, never know if Jerry's going to pop up and join yeah. your tour. You never know if you're going to run into somebody in the hall. Like I've seen that happen before. Yeah, players, I've, coaches. You've seen Big Nate. Yeah, coordinating tours ever right. since he's he's I, uh, so it happens. It it, happens. It's it's you, it's a luck of the draw, but hey, you might get that that special tour. They were out by the helmets, the yeah. helmets out in the out in the lobby area, and I was just kind of stopped. And they were trying to explain why the Pittsburgh Steelers only had one yeah. logo on the side of their helmet, and I was listening. And the guy did a pretty good job, and but I said. Excuse me, can I add something to what you just said? <laughs> and and, and then he, everybody turned around, and I was, and they're like, and they're like, oh, Brian, go ahead, <laughs> and brought us the fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm like, yeah, the, the Steelers yeah. have one logo yeah. because, that, and then everybody's like, and I'm like, you guys have a great day, and then you just, you know, kind of. That's you, what you it, get. The, one yeah. of the thing is, know. the yeah. funniest thing is when you sit there and have lunch. You know, you have lunch outside, and every and you're eating, and all of a sudden, people are just like watching you, yeah. like really get into yeah, that. It does feel kind of like the zoo. Yeah, really, yeah. yeah, you're like yeah. sitting there, like. Oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying this burger right now. Let me tell you that. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 worth the, the, it's worth the price the of admission it sure because is. there's some cool stuff to see. Yeah. But you just never know who you're going to run into yeah. out here when you do it as well. Yeah. All right, this segment segment Stand two is brought to you by yeah. Stay by, out, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Stay out of Ambar's way though, when she's trying to get oh. down in oh, the yeah. studio. She's got things yeah. to do. She's so not, hold on, hold on. She has time for autographs, pictures, all that stuff. Don't be feigning me like some snot with her shades on. With her shades on. Head down to go into the studio. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Second segment I'm a very by... friendly, nice person <laughs> once you talk to me, though. Uh, otherwise, I have one of those. Uh, um, I know what you're yes, trying to say. Those yeah. faces. <laughs> but it's not intentional. All right. This segment brought to you by blockchain.com. All right. Here we go. Brian, break this down for us Dallas offense versus Jets defense. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting matchup. And I think, in a, in a way, uh, a matchup that will. You'll figure out a lot about your team uh, because the uh, the Jets do present some problems for you. They're a, a very active four man front. Uh, they're very very involved with the way they play. The, the The line plays with a lot of width. There, it's not kind of a group that's you know you talk about traditional threes and the ones. These guys play with some width to their alignment, and way they do that is it gives them an opportunity for their front seven to attack the ball. Their linebackers are super. Uh, aggressive. This is a front seven that's built more on quickness than it is power. Uh, they, 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 you know, they've got some guys. We'll get into some of the players that they have. They're not going to blitz as much. They rely really on their front four to create pressure. When they generally do blitz, it will come from the slot. So keep an eye on that. When the, whoever um, you know the, the is in that slot, whether it's a safety corner you're going to get some type of blitz, but they really don't have linebacker blitzes. They just rely on that front to be able to create problems. The big guy that you have to worry about is Quinnen Williams. Uh, He's the most dominant player of the front. He's got both size. He's got quickness. He's kind of for his size. He's a slippery player. And what I mean that is that he could get very small and, and work to your shoulder and then work back inside. So he's not a guy that sits there and it just extends and tries to throw you away. He's going to try and beat you on the move the way that he plays. So, uh, you know, the guards, the centers, everybody's going to have to, like he might give you a shoulder, but then he's working the shoulder past you and then getting the other one past you as well to get to the 
the football. He plays very well on the move. He's just not going to stand there and take on blocks. The coaches try and keep him fresh. So the, the way they play him. So they play in a rotating system with him. So you'll see him on the field. You'll see him off the field. Mainly when they need a big play or they need a stop, he is on the field. A guy you're going to have to deal with. Interesting, they have another. They have a Quinton and they have a Quinton mm-hmm. Jefferson. Uh, he's number 70. He plays the three technique or that under tackle. Jerry Madelon always wants me to explain to you what the under tackle is. It plays on the outside shoulder or the three technique or the outside shoulder of the guard. So that's where he lines up when you start to talk about under tackles and three techniques. Uh, he does a really nice job of getting up the field. Uh, he puts the centers and guards in a lot of poor blocking positions. The uh, the the Bills had some problems with him again, like Quinn and Williams, where there where he rushes and he's able to get small and then get back into. Uh, get back into the hole and then get to where the where the ball is going to be. He plays well on the run. He stays active with his feet and his hands. This guy doesn't take plays off, and that's Quentin Jefferson, number seventy four mm-hmm. for the Jets, right there. Okay, Jermaine Johnson is filling in right now for Carl Lawson. Uh, Carl Lawson came from Cincinnati. He's like an edge player for them. He's been dealing with some back problems. I think that they were worried about Lawson this week going on the short week, so they didn't play him against the Bills. Likely he's going to play against the Cowboys. But Jermaine Johnson plays like as an edge or as a linebacker. He's number 11. He's a long, rangy type of a build to his game. He'll stand up at times. Uh, as a rusher, and then other times he'll put his hands down and he'll go. He's like uh, Jefferson. He gets up the field. When the balls run to his side, he's got a little bit of that Tank Lawrence in him able to extend and kind of keep the ball from going around the corner on him. So he's a guy, like I say, with that length and that range, he's able to. He's not the type that's going to give up the edge. But like I said, I do expect Carl Lawson to be back. We'll see how well Lawson fits into that. Uh, uh, into that into that scheme. The linebackers on this team, I think they're outstanding. They're players if they're connected to each other. They move. It's Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley. They had 17 tackles between them in the Buffalo game. Neither of them come off the field. They're always on the move. They're always playing downhill. They, f- they run, they flow, and they finish. When you get these guys in position, they're going to find a way to make the tackle. So breaking tackles on these guys, it doesn't always happen with their front seven. I think they're a really good tackling front seven to begin with. Buffalo had some plays where they were. It looked like there were going to be some bigger gains, and these Jet defenders were able to kind of get the guys on the ground when they needed to uh, to play. The cornerbacks cover really, really well. There's no weakness in that area for Sauce Gardner. He plays on the left side. DJ Reed plays on the right side. Uh, they play a combination of press and off coverage. These guys will gamble on their reads, but they have both of them have the skill to pull it off. You're, they're not going to give you a lot of space. You know, you can't make mistakes around them. You can't be just careless throwing the football. That happened in the Buffalo game. They were careless throwing the football, and these guys made them pay for the way that they played coverage. You need to be sure. You need to be confident in your throws, Dak Prescott. Don't just think like you could flip it out there and Gardner and Reed are just going to let it happen. 
They're going to drive on the ball. They're going to try and make uh, plays. They're going to contest your throws. Reed's the more physical than Gardner. Uh, he's more willing as a tackler, and he's better at it as a tackler. But, uh, you know, maybe the ball running to Gardner's side could result in some positive gains, uh, you know, with that. He's not as good of a tackler, like I say. Uh, Reed will tackle. He's a wrap-up guy. Gardner's a little bit more of a try, shoulder, maybe bounce off. You saw him having some problems with that way. Michael Carter's the nickel uh, for these guys. He's just, I think he's just okay at, at that responsibility. At safety, Jordan Whitehead had a big game with the three interceptions. Jordan Whitehead in this game was a right place at the right time type of a player. He took a advantage of some really poor decisions that were made by uh, by the quarterback there in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. His third interception, though, was a nice play. Uh, he got, got put in coverage. The receiver runs up and then out to the side, and then he's going to drive on the ball downhill, and then he's able going to make the play right there. It was a really good read. It was a really good break uh, on the ball the outside. But his other interceptions were, again, uh, Josh Allen just trying to play, uh, you know, you only live once uh, type of football and throw in. But Whitehead was in position to make a both plays. I, I like the way that this front plays. Again, not a lot of blitzing. It's going to be about their front four. Their linebackers tackle very well. You have to make sure you have a hat on them. The corners are going to cover. Reed's the more physical of the two. Gardner's the one you might want to try and ta- try and put the ball at and see if he's going to make some plays. And be careful, Whitehead, because he's going to read your eyes and find the ball. That's a really great breakdown. Here's my big question for you. Where's the weakness? If you were going to attack this defense, where's the weakness? Yeah, I, I feel like, though, to me, it's when the ball – with with Gardner playing on the left side as the left corner – if you could find a way to block the edges, and I know that I talked to you about Jermaine Johnson and what he could do. He's number 11, mm-hmm. and he's not going to give you that outside. But I don't know what the kind of situation that Carl Lawson is in as far as coming back and playing. He had seven sacks last year, so he is a capable player for your football team. But the thing that I worry about the most is I don't think you could say just take the ball right at them. I think you're going to have to find a way to win a little bit on the edge. This this front is going to move. They're not what I call a slant front where they 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 get in the gaps and then they just go they go a direction and then hope for the best kind of thing. Occasionally you'll see them slant, but it's not an every down thing with them. I feel like if the ball is going to be run on them, it's going to be on that edge. It's going to be off that right side is where it needs. But you've got to find a way uh, to control that that down that down seven, especially with these two linebackers. I mean, Williams and Mosley both can can really get to the ball. There's those we always say the term sideline to sideline guys. They're downhill. They're to the side. If you block those guys, though, now you're into the secondary. Now you're making guys like Gardner have to make plays on that on that edge. So that would be where I would think the best opportunity to that to that right side where Gardner is. According to uh, Pro Football Reference, they said the Jets last week had nine missed tackles on defense. Or only four teams in the NFL had more missed tackles in Week One. Yeah. Is that something that you think? 
Dallas can exploit? Or do you think that's just the nature of first game of the season? There's just going to be a lot more of that. It'll get better as the weeks the go film, on. The film, you know, the film to me, I didn't see a team that was missing a lot of tackles. I, I think the problems, and that's why I, I, I highlighted Gardner in this thing, because I felt like the ball to his side had the, uh, the opportunities of where the, it seemed like to me when he had to make a play, he was not unable. Now, he didn't have nine missed tackles. Yeah. But I just didn't feel like, though, watching these guys play, that especially the two linebackers. You know, and then also, like I mentioned with Jermaine Johnson as well, I didn't feel like that that, that, was a, a, that he was a liability there at all. But, but you could clearly see, though, when the, ball was going, when the ball was going to Sauce Gardner's side, that there was some issues over there with what they were doing. For me, and uh, fantastic breakdown there, Brian, and and he hit on all the points that that I saw in watching the Jets film, uh, the Jets film against the Buffalo Bills. And uh, as far as plan of attack for the Cowboys offense, I'm actually going to invert from week one. Week one, you know, uh, you know, rain notwithstanding, I wanted the Cowboys to use the pass to set up the run because of those two rookie corners. Uh, I'm going to invert this because you don't have uh, rookie corners against it's just, it's just this team. You got DJ Reed and you got Sauce Gardner and both of those guys, although Sauce is a second-year guy, you got both of those guys who are very, very good at what they do. So I think this is a situation where the linebackers are so elite for the Jets, you have to drag them out of the middle of that field. So you need to use the run to set up the pass. Now, let me let me be more clear. When I say use the run to set up the pass, yeah. I don't mean necessarily hammer it up the A and B gap all the time. You yeah. need to use counters, misdirection, pre-snap motion, kind of confuse them, make them think. If you make them think, it takes away the muscle memory, and that's the added second that your playmaker can use to get in space and make them potentially miss tackles. That also goes to what I said a couple weeks ago, quasi-run plays, quick fl- Quick outs to the flat, things like that, bubble screens, uh, you know, left in, right in, whatever you need to do. Drag those two linebackers out of the middle of the field, which will then allow guys like Cavante Turpin, CeeDee Lamb, whoever you have in the slot, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, to attack the middle of the field. Once you do that, you're bringing the safeties forward. Yeah. Well, once you start bringing the safeties forward, you're opening up the goal route for either Cooks, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, whatever the case may be. But for me, it starts with dragging the linebackers out of the middle of that field so you can attack that soft spot. As far as the defensive front, the the four man front, it is it is really good. Quentin, Quentin Williams, he's an absolute dog. He is, but man for man, and it, Carl Lawson is expected to play. We'll yeah. see if that's the case. Yeah. But man for man, I think the Giants. Uh, front four is slightly better than the Jets. So that gives you even more of an opportunity to use your run to set up the pass. But again, when I say use the run, I mean your counters, your misdirections, pre-snap motions, quick outs to the flat, things like that. You have to open up the middle of the field, then attack it, force the safeties to come forward, and then there's your big play sooner or later in the game. Don't be looking at me. I mean, what else do you want me to add to? I was in a college course over here listening to professors. I need to bring my notepad and pen. Jesus. So don't look I'm at me. Go to, to break. This guy. This go to are, break. We are going to go to break. I don't have anything else You mentioned the offensive line and how yeah. they performed last week against that defensive front. I love the fact that they didn't give up a single sack last mm. week. Yeah. They only had seven pressures, I think, yeah. uh, in that game as well. I think you look at it from that standpoint. I look at this team and I say they, are, they certainly showed us some things on the offensive line so my question for you guys when we come back from break is where does this offense need to improve there's one area that you want to see them improve over week one what is that area we'll talk about that when we come back dallascowboys.com radio 
Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil changed, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code Cowboys VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Dallas Cowboys football? Tell us how you spice up the game for your chance to be named the 2023 Cowboys Fan of the Year. Presented by Captain Morgan and win exclusive prizes plus a trip to Super Bowl 58. Nominate yourself for another today at DallasCowboys.com slash fan of the year. Welcome back. Final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking Cowboys offense versus Jets defense. Let's go around the table here. Tell me, what do you think if you had one thing you would improve from the Cowboys offense from week one, what would that one thing be? Let's start with you, Amber. Uh, if there was one thing, I mean, I'd, it, it's hard to say because it hasn't, you haven't seen much. And it's going back to the passing game and just throwing, making those throws to playmakers. And we've talked about them. I think now when we were having this conversation um, during the break, I started thinking about the receivers and going back to last year. You know, when we had a lot of questions, uh, Things that weren't answered yet. You still were trying to figure out the receiving group. But whoever's covering whoever, I just feel like every single person right now on the roster can make a play for you. Yes. So that that's what is exciting. That you talk about someone taking out C.D. Lamb and covering him. You still have Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. You still have Michael Gallup, who I think he's a quiet like, – he can be the sneaky guy that can mm-hmm. sneak up on you because he's been quiet this offseason and during the preseason or 
the uh, training camp because he didn't play in the preseason. But during training camp, it's just – but he still has it. And I think he came back really, really good from the injury. I think he's recovered. And he can be one of those sneaky threats to you. You talk about the running backs behind Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard showed this last game that he can run the ball and he is healthy and he can be the number one for you. But everyone behind him can make plays as well. Lupke. Is, am I saying it right? Yeah, Lipke. 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 Okay. Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> Hunter. Hunter. Another sneaky player. So, again, Kevon to Turpin, the way they used him and finally were successful. You talk about, um, oh, my God, how am I blinking out right now? Uh, short guy. That sounds terrible. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn. Why am I blanking out? He's, like, Deuce literally Deuce the most popular guy this offseason. Um but everybody, compared to last year at the beginning of the season, I feel that you feel confident and good about this year that it doesn't matter who the opposing defense tries to take out for you, you're still going to have one or two or three other guys to make a play for you. Tight end drops. Mm. That, that was, that was a big one. That's what I had on my that, was mine. that was mine. That was mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they they – uh, at least the blocking was yeah. something that is no, a plus now. Blocking, yeah. blocking was would, would, would you thought you were watching 1970s football with uh, Billy Joe Dupree and and those <laughs> Ooh, guys blocking blocking here for the Cowboys back in the day, and they were outstanding. You're absolutely right about that. The the inconsistency though, this group can't be that. This you know this the one thing that Dak Prescott and he's got a really a nice group of receivers, but you have tight ends that can catch the ball. That is a huge weapon. Mm-hmm. And if they can block and catch, it makes them even more weapon. Approve, uh, improve that, I think you improve things that happen on offense. How much do you think that that was a reflection of the weather versus what you've seen from Ferguson and Hendershot as far as their ability to catch the ball consistently? I, I'm willing to concede to that for a guy like Ferguson, uh, who normally has sure hands, sticky hands. And uh, I mean, Dak Prescott said after the press conference, he said that it felt at times that he was catching a bag of water, right? So, I mean, that's just how slippery the ball was. So, I mean, if it were a player that had um, consistent problems with drops, then I'm not as inclined to say, well, it was the rain. But when you look at what Ferguson has done in his first year and in training camp, and I mean, he had a great training camp as far as not really ever dropping the ball. Yeah, we'll we'll tag that on on to rain. Um, but shot has some issues at training camp of yeah. not catching the ball. And well, dropping he, he had it. an issue with you know one of his drops turned into a tip drill interception for mm-hmm. Dak Prescott or against Dak Prescott, yeah. uh, however you want to word that, last year. So that's the difference between like a Hendershot and a Ferguson. Hendershot is like, okay, I've seen this. You need to clean that up. Ferguson is like, okay, it's kind of an anomaly, not a big deal. But to Brian's point, uh, I'm right. That, that's where I am sitting as far as what I would like to see improve from week one to week two with the Cowboys. It's just as fantastic as the blocking was from the tight end group. Reel in those catches because when you're reeling in those catches, that also makes the linebacker core work that much more because now they have to worry about that. Give these Jets linebackers everything to worry about, and it will start to open it up everything else. The, the thing that you worry about, the hinder shot drop, that didn't cost you in the game. Mm-hmm. That's true. But, man, all of a sudden, you don't know how many opportunities that you're going to have to get your hands on a ball at the goal line or into the end zone, mm-hmm. you know, you need to bring that down. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between maybe winning or losing a game. It didn't cost you in this particular game, but when you're playing games down the road where it's 
one score games and you need, you know, an, a field a field goal doesn't really help you here with your lead, but four points makes it a harder game for your opponent. You need to come down with that ball. And if I you're think it goes Eagles, back to what was happening last year in the interception. Was it Dak's fault? Was it the receiver's fault? And that balance there where it was somewhere somebody else's fault, some others were Dak. And it goes to that. That's something that can easily happen again where here you go. The but it's so, it's so easily avoidable because I, yeah. I, I, last year I tagged, well, I think it was roughly a third of Dak's 15 interceptions were accountable, attributable to the receivers and the tight ends. You take that out, that's 10 interceptions. And it's not great, but that's not – Then it's no longer the headline going into the offseason. So, you know, Dak Prescott continued to play clean football and make the right decisions like he did against the, the uh, Giants. Unlike Josh Allen, like you said, Josh Allen yeah. was playing like he had one life to live in a, in a game that he should have been more conservative and more – you know, smarter with his throws, and maybe the Bills win that game. Yeah. He he did the opposite of what Dak Prescott did, and all we need is Dak Prescott to continue to play smart, clean football, but he and Mike McCarthy will get a bit more in their bag probably effective this week. But the tight ends, Ferguson, Hendershot, uh, just as, as, as great as they were with the blocking, um, just make sure that you're coming out with those passes because, like Brian says, sooner or later you're going to go up against an offense where your defense might have a bad day or they might be struggling in one category or the other. It might be against the Eagles or one of those other elite teams, the San Francisco 49ers. And that catch that you dropped, that should have been a first down conversion on a big third down, uh, that catch that you dropped if you're in the shot, that might have given you a shot at kind of turning around and diving into the end zone for points. Those will be a determinant in how that game goes. All right, let's. Uh, one other topic I wanted to hit real quick. We saw the uh, distribution of carries go something like this Tony Pollard had 14, Rico Dowdle had six, Deuce Fawn had six. Uh, Kevante Turpin had three carries, and then Dak had one. Did you guys glean anything from the way the Cowboys ran the ball, who they used, who they gave the ball to? Did you glean anything from that about what you think the roles will be going forward and how much each player could expect to to be involved in the running game? The thing that kind of surprised me was I wonder, and I know this is a fan favorite guy, is Deuce Vaughn, the fact that Turpin had those carries Mm – and are you going to get into a game where all of a sudden you can't dress Vaughn and he becomes an inactive? Because, okay, we figured out, wait a minute, we can get carries from, from Turpin over He's here. He's our gadget bag. And, yeah. Then, yeah, and then we got Rico Dowdle is going to give you some carries. And then, of course, you got Pollard. You know, maybe defense is going to need an extra linebacker. Maybe they're going to need an extra one of these safeties. I mean, you're going to have Donovan Wilson here. What are you going to do with, uh, you know, with, uh, with Wanye Thomas and guys like that, mm-hmm. Bell, you're going to yeah. sit those guys down when they're productive. No, you're going to you're going to play them and you're going to sit Deuce Vaughn down is what you're going to do. There's only so many you can dress. So the fact that they showed the ability to run the ball with Turpin a little bit might not be long term for what we could see from Deuce Vaughn. And, and that's that goes to what I was saying yesterday as far as we were all pleased with Kevontae Turpin being utilized in the Cowboys yeah. offense as early as week one after pleading to see it all of last season. Uh, and we explained why it didn't happen last season, so we love to see it. But in that same breath, it does put it does create a Turpin versus Deuce Vaughn head-to-head as far as being that gadget yeah. back, that change of pace back. Um, so now the question becomes, the Cowboys have seen what Kevontae Turpin can be in real time in a real game and be productive. Do they now pull Turpin back for week two and give that to Deuce Vaughn to yeah. see what he can do? Um, that's a good question, and we'll see if that's how it plays out. But I think, uh, great point by Brian, what probably helps Deuce uh, – 
avoid inactives is the fact that he has shown he can do some personal protector duties. He was working on that a lot in camp. Uh, and also the fact that he is the insurance at returner. So in the event that you're using, continue to use Turpin and dot, 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 I won't say it because I don't want to manifest it, but then now you have your another returner who could come in and impact the game as opposed to possibly losing Turpin on an offensive rep or any rep, special teams, and then being like, ah, damn it, Deuce isn't active today. Uh, so I think all of that goes into play. But, yeah, it is a on offense, it's a Turpin versus Deuce Vaughn battle for the gadget back dude. Yeah, yeah that's going to be really interesting. And when we go back and talk about something that you've mentioned, I think, Patrick, the – Wanting to show certain things right at the beginning of the season. Yep. Wanting to keep other teams guessing when they're examining and looking and studying your film. You want to show those types of, of plays right off the bat. Because going back to Turpin last year, they tried. They did at certain times. And it just it was never successful. Mm -hmm. And you start off the year on the right foot. Show a successful play with Kevonta Turpin and what he can be and what you thought he could be. Now, I agree. Do it with Deuce Vaughn. And don't let him kind of fade away for you. Because we've seen him. The speed. The talent. Size hasn't been a problem for him. And he's made his name no known during the preseason. And now it's time to... Show it. In I the will say this season. one final thing when it comes to Deuce. The Cowboys actually showed a time or two their willingness to get Deuce Vaughn out there. There's a, a, a couple of short yardage situations, one in particular where they were down within, you know, five yards or so. Deuce Vaughn goes out there, single back set. Brian Dable calls a timeout. Yeah. And then after the timeout, McCarthy is like, OK, well, he, he saw it. So they pulled Deuce out and they went with another back. So that tells me that they're at least trying early on to get Deuce involved. Um, but it also tells me that opposing defenses and head coaches, they're kind of shook of Deuce Vaughn because they know how difficult he's going to be to account for in those short yardage situations. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll jump into the Cowboys' defense versus the Jets' offense. Till then, for Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?